Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. Well, I'm so glad you're here today. We are in the middle, actually we're at the, kind of at the beginning. Uh, it might feel like the middle for some of you because we're going to go pretty lengthy with this series that we're in. But we're kind of at the, the front end of a series entitled God of the Underdogs. God of the Underdogs. Now here's the thing is the minute you hear the word underdog, um, it solicits an immediate response, right? You, you, you think about somebody in your life that you would label as an underdog, or, or maybe yourself, you're here this morning, and you would think of a moment in your life where you felt like an underdog. Uh, let me give you the definition of what an underdog is, and we'll talk some more here. Uh, an underdog is this. An underdog is a, a person, someone who is expected to lose in a contest or a conflict, all right? So that's what an underdog is. Now let me ask you, how many of you guys have ever felt in your life like an underdog before? right? Some area of your life. It could be sports. It could be in a relationship. If you're like me, I've been married for 18 years, and how I got my wife, I have no clue, but come on, I was an underdog in that thing, all right? But God blessed me. God hooked me up, and, uh, and so I, I know that uh, many of you sitting out there probably feel like me in some area of your life where you feel like an underdog, and so I believe this series will touch on many areas and moments of your life, but specifically what we're talking about is oftentimes in this spiritual journey that we're in, we can feel like an underdog in our faith, right? What do I mean by that? I mean that you could look at Pastor Ben and say, well, well, he's more connected with God, so those things are okay for him. Those things are available for him. Or maybe you look at somebody else that you think, man, they've lived a real spiritual life, and because of that, they're close to God, and they can have something I cannot, okay? Now, I felt like that before even as a pastor, but here's what we're going to discover in our underdog series is uh, that, man, God is good, and he absolutely loves underdogs, okay? And, and as you're sitting here today, you might be looking at some, you know, point in your spiritual journey saying, man, if I could only make it this far, but I'll never achieve that. What you're going to discover over the next nine weeks is that you can have anything uh, that God desires for you to have, okay? Now, listen to what I just said. I didn't say you can have anything you want, Okay? What I'm saying is you can have all that God has available to you and all that he desires for you to have. Are you with me? There's a big difference, all right? Because it's one thing for me to get up here and say, love Jesus and everything you want in life is possible. And uh, that's just simply not true. Uh, but what is true is that you might be sitting here as an underdog right now, feeling like an underdog in your spiritual journey. But God does have something more for you. Are you with me today? Right? You can have all that he desires for you to have. And so we're talking in this series, we're looking at nine different Bible characters. Okay, throughout Scripture, um, that, that at one point they were an underdog, but God did something in and through them, and uh, they had to overcome some excuses in their life so they no longer lived at that underdog level. Last week we looked at a guy named David, and we talked about this thought that I'm not qualified enough. I'm not qualified enough. I've been there before. I felt like that in some, some seasons of my life that I'm not qualified to do something specifically. I'm not qualified to maybe do something in this spiritual journey. I'm not qualified to, to be a pastor, whatever it might be in, in my journey. And uh, we looked at David. Now, when you hear the name David, uh, you might immediately think of, of David and Goliath, how he took out a giant. Or you might think about, oh yeah, King David, one of the greatest kings that the children of Israel, the nation of Israel ever had. Yeah, that king. But what we discovered last week is before he was slaying giants and before he became king, he felt like an underdog because he had seven older brothers. Are you with me? 
And uh, I know that feeling. I don't have seven, but I have three older brothers. And uh, so I can relate a little bit, a little bit with David, and maybe you can too in some area of your life. Well, today, we're going to tackle this excuse. Okay, last week we tackled the excuse that I'm not qualified enough. That's an excuse of an underdog. We overcome that. Now we rise up a new level in our spiritual journey. Today, we're going to talk about this excuse, and I believe we're going to overcome it, that I'm not connected to the right people. Okay? Or I'm not connected to the right thing. Or I'm not connected to... I'm not connected, and so we're going to talk about that today, and I believe this. As we do, you're going to overcome that excuse, and you're going to see God do incredible things in and through your life. Amen? Are you guys ready? All right, so turn in your Bibles this morning to 2 Samuel chapter 9. 2 Samuel chapter 9. It is in the Old Testament. If you were here last week, we talked out of 1 Samuel and uh, the book of 1 Samuel, we talked about David. Today we're going to fast forward in David's life, and we're going to see that David, the once underdog, actually began to go look for an underdog and pull him up to a new level. It's a really cool story. And uh, we're going to see that this underdog, his name is Mephibosheth, and we're going to see that this underdog, because he didn't feel like he was connected to the right people, that he couldn't have certain things in his life or in his journey. I felt like that before, even since we planted this church. Uh, since we planted this church, I've looked at things in my life, circumstances. Uh, maybe we weren't, weren't at a certain point that I wanted to be uh, in our church planning phase. And I would look and, and I would come up with an excuse. Well, it's because I'm not connected to my, my former movement. Or it's because these people, they bailed on me and I'm not connected with them anymore. If those people would have stayed. And, and man, I, I got convicted one day that, Ben, you're making excuses. Man, you don't need to be connected to people. You just need to be connected to a person. And we're going to talk about that today. Amen? That right there is what they call foreshadowing in a movie. Right there. Did you catch it? All right. We're going to talk about not being connected to people, but to the person. Just log it there. It's going to get good. Second Samuel chapter 9, and uh, we're going to read 13 verses together. Uh, I'd encourage you to open up your Bible if you have one. Pull it up on your, you know, your smartphone, your iPad, or uh, you can just look behind us here. But let's get into it today. I'm going to read from the English Standard Version. 2 Samuel chapter 9, starting in verse 1, and it says, And David said, Is there still anyone left in the house of Saul that I may show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Let me read it again. And David said, Is there still anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Right now, first, first verse, we jump right in, and we discover three characters. We discover a guy named Saul. We revisit a guy that we talked about last week named David, and now we introduce a new character named Jonathan. Who are, who are these three people? Saul is actually the first king of the nation of Israel. We briefly touched on it last week. He was not the king because it was God's design or God's desire for him to be king. Saul was the first king because the nation of Israel, God's chosen people, were looking at all of the other nations and, and looking at their success and what they were doing, and, and, he, and, he, they, and they recognized that, hey, they have a king, a natural king, and we don't. The reason that the nation of Israel didn't have a natural king is because God always intended to be their king. But they looked around and with jealousy, envy, and maybe a little bit of lust and said, you know, we, we, want, we want a king too. We want a natural king like they have. And so they begin to cry out, we want a king, we want a king. And so because of that, God said, okay, fine. And he sends this guy named Samuel, and Samuel is a prophet. What is a prophet? A prophet is, is not a king. He's not really a leader. He's the spiritual leader. And, uh, and he would hear messages from God, and then he would deliver those messages to the people. So God begins to talk to Samuel and says, hey, Samuel, Man, I'm going to go ahead and give these people, based on the cry of their heart, a natural king. And so that's who, king, that's who Saul is. Saul is now the first king, all right? 
David now, though, has been anointed to be king, okay? And the reason Saul is no longer king is because he began to do evil in the eyes of God, and now he's being rejected, okay? So then David gets anointed to be king, okay? So we know who David is. We know who Saul is. Who's this guy, Jonathan? Jonathan, in this first verse, is actually Saul's son, okay? But it gets more complex. He's not only Saul's son, but if, if Saul wouldn't have been rejected to be king, Jonathan would have been the next likely choice to be the next king. But instead, God says, no, I reject Saul. I reject his line, and therefore I'm going to anoint somebody new, David. It gets even crazier. David and Jonathan were best friends, okay? Talk about some, some father issues. Are you with me, okay? David and Jonathan now are best friends. If you want to read some verses on this, you can go to 1 Samuel 18.1. You write that one down. Look at it later. 1 Samuel 20. Verses 14 through 17 talk about their, their, their friendship and their love for one another. And, uh, and so you can check those out. Let's read on. We know who Saul is. We know who Jonathan is. We know who David is. Verse 2. Now there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba, and they called him, uh, they called him to David. And the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant. And the king said, is there not still someone of the house of Saul that I may show kind, the kindness of God to him? And Ziba said to the king, there is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in his feet. So here's David, once underdog, living in the palace now. He's the king. Saul is actually dead. Jonathan's actually dead. But based on a covenant that David made with his best friend Jonathan, David wants to show kindness to the house of Saul. And so he brings in Zib and he says, hey, do you know of anybody that's still a part of the family that, that I can show kindness to? And once again, the reason David wants to show kindness is because of the friendship he had with Jonathan and because of the covenant he made with Jonathan. So here he is wanting to show, show kindness. Here we go. Verse 5. Actually, verse 4. The king said to him, where is he? And Ziba said to him, he is in the house of Machir, the son of Emil at Lodabar. The king, then King David sent and brought him uh, from the house of Machir to the, uh, the son of Emil at Lodabar. And Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and paid homage to David. So here he is. Here's Mephibosheth, the one that's been crippled since the age of five. The reason Mephibosheth is crippled is because David, when he gets anointed king, Saul dies, Jonathan dies. Now, it was, it was of that nature and of the time where if you were the new king, you would go take out all of the family from the previous king so that they couldn't rise up and take your kingdom, okay? So what happened was is now the nurse of Mephibosheth, when this was all taking place, fled in fear with Mephibosheth. And when, you got to catch this, this is going to play into the rest of our message. When they were running, the nurse who's supposed to care for and watch over Mephibosheth, as they're running, drops Mephibosheth, and when she drops him, he gets crippled in both his legs. Are you with me? Okay. So they're running because, man, in fear because we're going to all get taken out. And as they're running, here's the nurse, the one that's the care for Mephibosheth, gets dropped and is crippled now. And Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and paid homage. And David said to Mephibosheth, and, Mephibosheth, and he answered, Behold, I am your servant. And David said to him, Do not fear, for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. And I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your father. And you shall eat at my table always and be paid homage. And said, what is your servant? Listen to his words. What is your servant that you should show regard for a dead dog such as I? Mephibosheth felt like an underdog. Who am I but a dead dog 
that you should show this kindness. And the king called Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, All that belonged to Saul and all his house I have given to your master's grandson. And you and your sons and your servants shall till the land for him and shall bring in the produce that your master's grandson may have uh, bread to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, listen to it, shall always eat at my table, at the king's table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, according to all that my lord the king commands his servant, so will your servant do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. And Mephibosheth and a young, had a young son whose name was Micah. And all who lived in Ziba's house became Mephibosheth's servants. So Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem, for he ate always at the king's table. Amen? Now he was lame in both his feet. Let's pray. God, we thank you, uh, Lord, for your word today. God, we thank you that your word is, is, is amazing. I pray in the next few moments that we have together that, Lord, you would speak to us out of your word. You would encourage us. God, I pray you'd help us uh, identify some underdog excuses in our life today that we would overcome those and we would walk in the, in the greatness, the great things that you have for us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Uh, has anybody here ever had a friend or had an acquaintance that um, just kind of cusses all the time, but without even realizing it, okay? Maybe you're that person. I don't know. Um, but you know what I mean? You know that, that person where you're just hanging out, and they use a cuss word as an adjective for everything, right? It's, it's never just, oh, look at that dog. It's, oh, look at that beep dog, right? It's like, oh, man, did you see that beep house, right? And it's like you, you go out to eat with them, and you're, you're eating a burger, and they're like, oh, man, this is a beep, beep burger, and my first thought is, no, a burger cannot do that. What are you talking about? <laughs> right? You with me? Anybody ever hang out with somebody like that? Right? It's like, and they don't even realize they're saying it. It's like if you can. Yes, Lord. <laughs> now, here's, here's the thing you need to understand because I, I thank God for my wife and so should you because I was, I was kind of running through the message with my wife and I was like, babe, can I actually say some of the words on stage? And she was like, no. I was like, dang it. I said, but you're not going to be there. You're going to be up in North County. I could do it, and you should be thankful for my wife, right? <laughs> she screens my messages weekend. She, she was actually the one who said, no, Ben, just say beep. And I was like, oh, okay. It's not as fun, but beep. It's not as fun, but I'll beep, 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 whatever you say, babe. You know, just kidding. But you know what I'm talking about? You ever met that person or hung out with that person? I, it, what's really cool for me is, is when I walk out of service, and, I, and I'm talking with people sometimes, Here's the thing. These people don't even know they're saying it. It just becomes a part of the vocabulary. And I've had people say, oh, pastor, that was a beep message. True story. True story. And I'm just, I'm just like, yeah, it was, wasn't it? I'm not even joking. This has happened. And I'll be having comments. They don't even know. It's just like they just say something, and then they just keep going. It's just one of those. It's like a filler word, right? And they, they just say it, and they don't realize it, and it becomes a part of the vocabulary, maybe because they were around it when they were growing up, and, and that's what they heard their parents say or, or their friends or whatever, or maybe they stepped out and they thought it was cool to do it first, and now it just becomes a part of their everyday vocab to the point where they don't even realize they're doing it. <laughs> it's crazy. Here's something I've come to learn about underdogs. Underdogs, after a while of living in an underdog life, no longer realize that they're underdogs. 
It just becomes a part of their existence. It becomes a part of who they are. So last week when we talked about, well, I'm not qualified enough, you might have at one point in your life remembered that moment where, yeah, I didn't feel qualified enough there, and so therefore I didn't do X, Y, Z. But after a while of living in that lifestyle, you no longer even realize that you're living it. It just becomes a part of your DNA and who you are. As we talk today and we say something like, well, we're going to overcome this excuse of not being connected to the right people. Here's the reality. That becomes such an excuse in our life that we no longer advance in our spiritual journey or we no longer advance in seasons of life because we have reduced our life down to this, I'm not connected to the right people. And we don't even realize we're doing it anymore. Maybe it's not even about being connected to the right people. Maybe it's about being connected to the, to the right place. Maybe it's about being connected to the, to the right relationships or, or the right job. And so this idea of I'm not connected to the right place, the right people, the right, the right system or the right structure, this is what it does. It sends you searching all your life. And therefore, you have people jumping from, from, from job to job. You have people jumping from relationships to, to relationships. You have people getting divorced once, twice, three times. And yes, I know that sometimes divorce happens out of a choice of another person and a circumstance that, that, that entered into the relationship. But too often times, what, here's what happens is we begin this search. That's why people jump from church to church. Because they're searching and searching. And it's so much easier to point the finger out there and say, well, it must be because I'm not in the right place. It must be because I'm not connected to the right people group. It must be because I'm not, not in the right system. Because if I was, then I could have. Is somebody with me this morning? This is a great message already, okay? We end up living in this excuse all our life. But what happens is all of a sudden we settle in we think this is it. And pretty soon we don't even realize we're doing it. And when we talk about our, we talk about our issue without even realizing we're talking about our issues. Oh, yeah, well, you know, it's kind of like somebody that, 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 that is in a, in a junior college. You ever ask somebody, hey, where are you going to college? Well, if they're in a junior, if you're, like, if you're like at state, you're like, oh, I go to state, Right? But, but if you ask somebody that's in a junior college, they're like, well, what I'm doing right now is one day I'm going to be at state, but what's happening right now is I'm trying to get some credits to, y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yeah. Like it's a bad thing. Right? All of a sudden, we just, we just reduce stuff down because we don't, we don't even intentionally do it, but we do it. But here's what I believe with all my heart, that, that God is raising up some underdogs at Canvas Church. And that we as underdogs, just like David did, a once underdog, we're going to go out because they don't even know they're living in it. They don't even know the pain they're in. They don't even know the, the guilt they're living under. But we as underdogs are going to go and we're going to give them a hand up. Are you with me? Come on, we're going to go and we're going to say, hey. And they're just like those people I talk to, man. If I could record them. And I've, I've talked with some people like, hey, you know you cuss every other Sunday. They're like, no, I don't. They're like, no, I believe in don't, right? They know you really do, and I'll record it and play it back. They're like, who's that? And I'm like, that's you. And they're like, no, I believe it ain't, you know, right? <laughs> oh, really, it is? See, some underdogs are, are, are so underwater, are so far pushed down that they don't even realize it. And, and here's the thing. It's like they could come to a certain level, and they could believe that, oh, wow, this is awesome. This is what God has for me. And we're like, no, dude, you're still underwater. Wait until you get above it. Are you with me? 
God wants us to go and begin to pull some underdogs up, some people that here, I've talked with people about marriage, and they're relating to me the way their marriage is. And I'm listening to them, and I'm like, man, that's, that's not marriage. That's hell. Are you with me? Right? And then I'll, I'll, but, they'll, but they'll think, like, man, our marriage is really good, you know? And then they go, they go from, like, fighting, you know, five times a week to two times a week, and they think, like, man, our marriage finally made it. And I'm like, no, there's more. There's more. And we could go and we could rescue some marriages. Are you with me this morning? We go pull some underdogs up because they don't even realize that they are, they are underdogs. As we find this story today, what we discover is there's a, there's a guy named Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth is hiding in Lodabar. And the reason he's hiding once again is because David is now king. Where with, with, with Mephibosheth, his granddad was once king. And, and, then, and then now his dad should have been the next king, but, but they're both dead. And, and, and when, I was, when I was leaving, there was my nurse, the one that was supposed to care for me, the one that was supposed to, to watch out for me, the one that was supposed to protect me and nurture me as we were leaving, running for our lives. She drops me, and I'll, now this is all I am. This is all I'll ever be because I'm no longer connected to Saul. I'm no longer connected to Jonathan. As a matter of fact, I'm crippled. Here I am. I'm stuck in this place. But David, a once underdog, came, come on, are you with me, and pulled him out and pulled him up and began to bring him to a new place. This is an exciting story to me. This is a perfect, perfect continuation from last week because for those of us that are sitting here today, once underdogs, maybe still walking through an underdog season, there is somebody else right around you that's an underdog. God says, I want to use you. Come on to bring them up. Are you with me? I want to use you to bring them up to the new, next place. Let's look at this real quick. Underdogs who feel like they are not connected to the right people. Underdogs who feel like they're not connected to the right people. Here was one of them, Mephibosheth. I want to share this first with you. Number one, have often been hurt by those close to them. Underdogs who do not feel like they're connected with the right people have often been hurt by those who are close to them. And I know the Bible says that deceitful are the kisses of an enemy and faithful are the wounds of a friend. Yeah, I think we all take things a little more personal when it's someone close to us. But beyond that, there's many of us here that, that we feel like an underdog because someone close to us hurt us. Someone close to Mephibosheth hurt him. It was his nurse, dropped, now crippled. Now he doesn't feel like he can advance, move on, obtain, grow, but there's more for his life. Many of us sitting here have probably been hurt by somebody close to us, right? Could be a parent, could be a pastor. Not at this church, of course, but other churches. Those pastors tell you. Could be a spouse. You've been hurt. Could have been a, a boyfriend-girlfriend relationship. Somebody that you had opened up to and, and confided in. And, and as you were doing that, man, there was this depth of this relationship. But then all of a sudden, man, there's hurt, there's pain, something happened. Because of that, here's what happens. We do one of two things. We either pull back from all relationships or we go on a search for the right connections and we search all our life looking to be connected to the right person, the right things to fulfill that void. Is somebody with me this morning? Am I talking to anybody today? 
Mephibosheth was hurt by someone close to him. Could be anyway. Because of this now, he's crippled. And because here's what happens. Here's what happens. Because of that pain in your life, that circumstance in your life, if you ever find that, that person or that place to open up again, what you're going to discover is that you feel crippled. You with me? I, I don't know if I can ever have a relationship again. I, I don't know if I'll ever go back to church again. I don't know if I'll ever step out and do that again. I don't know if I could. Are you with me? We have to overcome these excuses in order to obtain all the incredible things that God has for us. I've often been hurt by those who are close to us. Second thing we realize here, looking at the story of Mephibosheth, we discover this, that these underdogs that feel like they're not connected to the right people are often hiding in obscurity. They're often hiding in obscurity. Mephibosheth rightfully so because he's fleeing for his life. But, but this, this, this guy is no longer a five-year-old boy. He has now lived years, maybe 20, 30, 35 years in obscurity hiding, thinking that surely they're still out to get me. Surely something's going to happen to me. Living life, looking over his shoulder the whole entire time, and so he, he hides out in a place called Lodabar. But come to find out, people actually do know he's there. They're able to bring him to the king, but he's hiding in obscurity, believing this is how he has to live his life. Now, as we're talking this morning, you might be thinking, well, I'm sitting here today, Pastor. I'm not hiding. What are you talking about? Okay, I'm not talking about natural hiding. I'm talking about based on point number one, you've been hurt in some area of your life, and so you've withdrawn. Here's what happens is we could be sitting in a crowd just like this, but yet we're not connecting, yet we're not involving. And so if we could look at this, this spiritual journey and that God has more for you, but maybe you've been hurt somewhere along the way, and so what happens is, is oh, yeah, I'll go to church, but that's it. Oh, I, know, I, know, I know Pastor Joe was talking about a welcome to church party. I ain't going to no welcome to church party. I don't want to meet no pastors. I'll just, I'll just come to church, sing some songs, which worship was awesome today, right? Or not. I thought worship was awesome today. Maybe it was just me. I don't know. Maybe I had headphones. I don't know what you were listening to. but Incredible. I'll just show up, and I'll just, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to grab my program. As a matter of fact, I'm not even going to fill out that response card they talked about because I know they're probably going to call me like 30 times at dinner time, Right? Can they just leave me alone? I'm fine. I'm cool. I just want, I just want to sit here. Can I, can I be honest with you? Every single one of us is built for relationship and connection. Every single one of us. And that is not, for us just to come and say, I don't want connection. I don't want relationship. I'm just going to come in and just, just sit in a chair. And That's not God. God wants you to connect with people. Good preaching, Pastor. Well, no, nah, nah, I'm cool. No. Oh, I, yeah, I saw that small group table set up out there. I'm going the other way, right? I'm not going to walk by that table. Those people over there are happy. I don't want to be happy in church. This is serious stuff, right? They're probably, I mean, this is, sure, I mean, what happens when I get to their group? They're probably going to be really happy and, and do stuff and, and, like, happy stuff. And I don't want to be happy, right? We hide in obscurity, right? No, 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 I don't want to get involved. I don't want to serve in any capacity. I'm cool. So I'm going to hide out, I'm going to hide out over here. 
hide out over here. What, 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 you want me to give some money? Tithe? I don't believe in tithe, Pastor. Well, then you must be a New Testament believer where you just believe to give everything, right? What? No, 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 I'm a tither, I'm a tither, I'm a tither. <laughs> 10% cool, just don't, you know. Well, you want me to invest some of my hard-earned money into the kingdom of God? You hide out in obscurity. Somebody with me this morning? I don't. God's calling. Here he is. He's hiding out. Sometimes we do the same thing. We do the same thing. Take it beyond ministry experiences. Maybe just, maybe just boil it down to our, our, our spiritual journey. Now, I, I can do a devotional in the morning, but to study the Bible? No. No. I'll just, I'm going to leave that to scholars like Pastor Ben. <laughs> I am so not a scholar. I err more on the side of comedian than scholar, all right? Now, I don't think I could, I don't know. That's for somebody else. So I'm just going to be over here. I'll do my daily bread devotional, and that's about it. That's because that's all, that's all I, it's, if I do more. What about in relationships? You hide in obscurity because you feel like an underdog. You with me? Lastly, underdogs who feel like they're not connected to the right people have a low opinion of themselves. Now listen to me. I already mentioned it earlier. You might not even realize it, but when I'm talking to people sometimes and, and I'm just, you know, discovering something about their life and talking to them like, oh, I don't know. I don't really have any, you know, big goals or plans for life. I'm just going to do this. I'm like, nothing wrong with what you're doing, but why not dream big? Why not have some big goals and big plans for yourself? And the reason is, is because they don't feel like they can much like Mephibosheth. Look at what happens here. Mephibosheth is standing before the king, and the king is saying, hey, Mephibosheth. Now, you've got to understand the story. Mephibosheth might be thinking, they finally found me, and they're bringing me the last of the line of David, and they're going to kill me. Yeah, he might have been thinking that. And so when he came there, he came in fear. But look at what the king says. The king is like, hey, Mephibosheth. I want you to come and, and be here and, and live in my kingdom. And, and man, I'm going to give you all this stuff. And I'm going to restore everything that was taken from you by me, by the way, by my people. I'm going to go and give it to you. And everything that was Saul's, man, it's, it's yours. And here is, here, is, here is Mephibosheth's opportunity. Here is the great things that the king has set before him. And David sits, says, hey, it's all yours. And right there with it, staring him in the face, listen to Mephibosheth's response. And Mephibosheth said, what is your servant who you should show regard for a dead dog such as I? How many of us here today are in that same place where, 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 where the great things that God has for us are, are staring at us right now? And it's right in front of us. You don't need to go on a search. You don't need to look for another place. You don't need to look for another connection because the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is saying, hey, I know what you're going through. I know what your problem is. I know what your excuse is. I know what's crippled you in life, but here's what I have for you. 
And we look at it and we're like, no, I don't think so. Or we do this, we're like, oh, who are you talking to? Right? He must be talking to somebody else because who am I but an underdog? Who am I but a dead dog? Who am I? Oh, man. And it's so sad because I watch people chase something that doesn't exist. I watch people search and search and search and search and search and search. And all you have to do is open your eyes. God's right here. He's got an incredible plan for your life. Amen. Good preaching, Pastor. He said, who am I? He had a low opinion of himself. Because he had this low opinion of himself, surely, David, you've got the wrong, you've got the wrong person. Why? Because underdogs. I'm talking to somebody this morning. There's some of you in here. Listen to me. It's like, it's like, it's like a boy and a girl or child when they're growing up and they have this dream in their heart and all the incredible things. And it might not even be a God dream or a spiritual dream, but it's just like, I'm going to be a firefighter. Mine was, I'm going to be in the NBA. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about? You had those incredible dreams when you were little. And the older you get, all of a sudden the voices begin to tell you, I don't think that's going to happen. And here's the reality. As we buy into those voices and we stop believing, but not only do we stop believing, we stop working as if it could happen. And because we stopped working as if it could happen, it doesn't happen. So in this spiritual journey, I want you to know something. Now, I don't, I'm, I'm going to go back to it, man. Worship was awesome today. Man, you could feel the presence of God. Man, it was phenomenal. But I want you to know something. You can have that every day. Yeah, I know some of you are like, what, I can have Jeff on the keyboards every day? Is it on? No. Good, because I would sound nothing like Jeff. My voice might, but not my piano skills. But why are you laughing? Don't crush my dream. You can have that every day. But see, some of you come to church and you walk in and you're like, oh, man, I just, man, God was so good that I felt the presence of God. And this way, when you walk out, man, I wish I could feel that every day. I'm talking to somebody now, right? I wish I could, I wish I could have that every day. You can. Because it's not about being connected to the right people. It's about being connected to the right person. And you can have his presence every single day, even in the valleys. Although I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Almost started singing a song. I take a look at my life. No, no. I'll fear no evil. Why? Because he's there. Listen to me. Yes, we all love the mountaintop experiences. We all love those moments where, yes, the king finally recognized me. But guess what? The Bible tells us. Listen, because if we based on that, we're basing it on our outside circumstances and surroundings. We are now basing it on our connections here rather than our connection here. David says, Phibosheth, I want you to come, and I want you to, I want you to have all of this, but then it gets better. So not, not only am I going to give back to you everything that was yours, 
because of your grandfather Saul and because of, of your father Jonathan. Not only are you going to do that, but let me just add another piece to it, Mephibosheth. I'm going to invite you to sit at my table, the king's table, every single meal you will ever eat. And so here, maybe he had to be carried in. And here he would be carried in and he'd be set at the king's table. And here's something you need to understand. When you are sitting at the king's table, that excuse that has crippled you is now underneath the table. And when someone walks in, they don't see a dead dog. They don't see a crippled individual. They see a son or a daughter sitting at the table of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, who because of the cross of Jesus Christ has covered every excuse in your life. Walk in. There's Mephibosheth sitting at the table. And the table that's prepared for him covers his crippled legs. And here's the reality, ladies and gentlemen. When people walk into the king's palace, they aren't looking at you anyway. They're looking at the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen. That's why the Bible says it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. And in that moment, every excuse that Mephibosheth could ever use is covered. Check out how awesome this is. Here's the reality. Every single one of us sitting in here today, either right now feels like an underdog in some area of our life, or one day will feel like an underdog. And we all have excuses that we could use. Oh, yeah, yeah, somebody hurt me when I was younger. We're hiding out in obscurity. We have a low opinion of ourselves, but when you get invited to the king's table, all those excuses are covered. You might be feeling like that today. You might be walking through it right now in this moment, but God says, son, daughter, I have a plan for you. And 42 generations later, there would come another son from the line of David, and his name would be called Jesus Christ, and he would come on the scene as a baby, and he would walk a sinless, perfect life on this earth, and he would die a death he never deserved simply to say, come to my table. I got your excuse covered. That's why the Bible says in Luke 19.10 that he came to seek and save the lost. He came to seek and save the underdog. He came to cover at his table, everything that has ever happened in your life. And behold, he stands at the door and he knocks. And he says, just like David, underdog, I want you to come. And I'm going to restore to you everything that was ever stolen, everything that was ever taken, everything that was ever ripped out of your life. And not only that, I'm going to invite you to sit at my table of grace that will cover every sin, every excuse, and every issue in your life. God, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that your word is awesome. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that your word speaks to us today as loudly as it did to Mephibosheth many years ago. Because, God, I believe, much like Mephibosheth, we are sitting here today probably crippled in some area of our life. I don't, I'm not connected to the right education. I'm not connected to the right leader. I'm not connected to the right small group. I'm not connected, and we could use those excuses. But, God, I thank you this morning. It is not being about connected to people. It's about being connected to the person of Jesus. And when we are connected to the person of Jesus. Hallelujah. Every excuse is broken in Jesus' mighty name. 
Lord, I pray for those here this morning that they are in their life and maybe they don't even realize they're living an underdog excuse. But I pray this morning that they would get a hand up. Lord, that we would reach, that your word would reach, that your presence would reach, that your spirits would reach them right where they're at and pull them up and say, son, daughter, welcome to the kingdom. Welcome to the kingdom. Welcome. Hallelujah. God's restoring today. I believe that with all my heart. We got to get rid of the excuses. Do me a favor. Just close your eyes for a moment. Bow your head, and for the next few moments, can we just think about this message? Think about this message of incredible grace. Hallelujah. There's some of you sitting here this morning that you're looking at your life and saying, I want more for my life. But here's what you need to realize, that in Jesus, it's not just that he's given you more, he's given you back what's already rightfully yours. He gave Mephibosheth back what was already his. He said it. All that was yours, all that belonged to Saul, all that belonged to your dad, John, it's yours. I'm giving it back to you. But not only that, I'm going to invite you to the table. some of you here this morning you can relate so well with this broken relationships in your life you've been hurt by someone close to you listen to me grieving is normal walking through the process of the pain is absolutely acceptable it's something you need to do but where it gets convoluted is where we begin to think that because of that I can no longer live the life that Christ has for me. I believe that this morning, even though you're going to walk through some, some dark moments, even though you're going to walk through some painful situations in your life, that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords wants to remind you this morning that even though that happens, I'm right there with you. I will lead you. I will guide you. I will comfort you. Don't begin to live in the excuse that because of that, you cannot walk further into the spiritual journey. Don't live in the excuse that says, because of that, I can't obtain. You can't, because it's not about your successes. It's not about your failures. It's about being connected to Jesus Christ and his grace, for his grace truly is sufficient. And you're here this morning, and you're listening to this message, and you say, Ben, that message was for me. You say, Ben, that, that, was, that was me. I needed to hear that message and not only that I need to go from this moment because I, I, I'm a once underdog and I, I realize there's some underdogs in my life. There's some underdogs at my job place. There's some underdogs in my neighborhood. There's some underdogs in my own family and I need to get them here. I need to get them to this place of a message of grace that he still uses underdogs today. And you're here and you say, Ben, that's me. I still said, I want to know who I'm praying for. I want to know that the message impact is. Just shoot your hand in the air and say, that's me. That's me, Pastor. Anybody else? That's me. Thank you. Anybody else? Yeah, I've been wounded. I've been hurt. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You're here this morning and you say, you know what, Ben? It's the pain in my life has kept me from connecting with the king. I've been confronted before, and yet I, I looked at what was staring me in the face, and I said, man, I'm just, it's not who I am. I'm, I'm a dead dog like Mephibosheth. I've never stepped into that realm of relationship with Jesus Christ never stepped in that realm of relationship with God. He's inviting you right now. If you're here this morning and you've never 
said yes to Jesus. You've never entered into the relationship. No pressure. But you're saying, you know what, I need to do that today. No one's looking around. Just between you and God and me. You're here and you say, man, I, I, need, I need to step into that relationship. I need to stop living by excuse. If that's you, just right there, just shoot your hand in the air. That's me, Pastor. That's me. I need to, I need to step into that relationship and overcome that excuse. crippled us in our life, no matter what things that we've walked through, some of us sitting here walked through excruciating pains in relationships, walked through divorce, we've walked through the loss of a loved one, or we've walked through the, the pain of things that were spoken over our life. But God, we, we declare that this morning that we're going to be like Mephibosheth, and we're not going to allow that season to be operating in our life any longer, but we're going to rise up to the voice of the king that says, come on in, son, come on in, daughter. I got something more for you. God, I thank you. God, I thank you right now for these moments, God, surrounding your word. God, these moments surrounding, Lord, the, the, the promises of God in our life. God, we thank you right now. Lord, that there's something, God, great in the spiritual journey for all of us. God, that we don't have to sit on the sideline. We don't have to hide out in obscurity. God, we don't have to do that, but we can say yes to the voice of the one that is inviting us in. Lord, I thank you right now. God, that you are calling underdogs up. God, you are calling underdogs up. God, you're calling us, Lord, to a greater place in our spiritual journey. You're calling us saying you can have more. There's more for your life. You don't have to hide in that place any longer. God, I thank you for it right now. God, I pray right now over every single person in this place. God, that they would find that place of freedom. They would find that place of contentment that says, God, I can be all that you're asking me to be. I can be the one that goes out and pulls other underdogs out of their mistake. I can be the one that goes out and shares my faith with those on my job place. I can be the one that says, yes, God, you can use me. You can use me in whatever capacity you choose to use me. So Lord, I pray right now in the mighty name of Jesus that we walk out here victorious, we walk out here triumphant. In Jesus' mighty name, hallelujah, hallelujah, amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.